Hello, and welcome to the Heathen's Journey podcast. I'm your host, Siri Vincent Clough, and I'm so glad you're here. This is the show where I explore heathenry through a queer lens. We will be talking about traditional witchcraft, runes, folklore, and so much more. Join us, won't you, as we journey to the ends of the Nine Realms and back. Hello, hello, witchlings, and welcome back to season two of the Heathen's Journey podcast. That's right, folks, we are on season two of the podcast. So this is kind of funny. I had not actually intended for this podcast to have seasons because... I guess that just was never my intention. Um, However, it has been a good two months since I hit record, and I am feeling it. So I guess this is season two. Um, So I will try to make season two go all the way through the second eight of the runes. Today we have another rune-centric episode. I want to tell you that I have some really exciting interviews coming up, and I'm going to have an interview dropping next week that I am so excited about, and I've been sitting on it for months, um, but for reasons that will become clear in next week's episode, I didn't want to release it too early. <laughs> um, so that is that for the podcast. Stick around, hit subscribe, like, whatever you want to do um, to make sure that you always get up updates when there is a podcast episode dropping. So there has been a lot going on in my witchly and personal life. Um, I have a very exciting project coming out that I cannot say very much with, um, but it is a collaboration with Sandra Snow. Um, And that is what I will say about that. I will just allow you, I will allow the tension to build. (laughs) Um, So the other thing that I wanted to talk about is the apothecary and how that has been expanding. Um, I'm hoping to bring in some new uh, books, some new candles, um, a whole bunch of new products in time for your spooky season and your holiday season. Um, So stick around to hear more about that. I am also launching on my Patreon a level where you receive a spell kit for the dark moon every month. So I have been writing for, I think like a year and a half now, I've been writing dark and full moon ritual guides on the Patreon. And it's one of my favorite pieces of writing that I do every month. Um, And so now I will be uh, including a I have a tier on the Patreon where you can get a box with all of the ritual materials that you will need to correspond with a dark moon ritual. I'm starting with just doing this for the <laughs> for the dark moon because trying to pull the kits together for the dark and full moons all at once seemed like a bit too much. And I started with dark moons. So that's where we're starting with the ritual guides. Um, if you want to subscribe and get this ritual kit in the mail every month, you can hit the $45 a month Darkling um, tier. Or if you're curious and want to see what these kits will look like, um, you can just order one from my website until September 30th. I'm shipping everything on September 30th in hopes that it will get to you in time for the Dark Moon. 
So that is happening next week. And I really am proud of these, honestly. I hope that people enjoy them and that um, they kind of assist you in your dark moon musings and your dark moon rituals. So that's about it for that. Um, you can find everything at either patreon.com slash northernlightswitch or at my website, which is northernlightswitch.com. And I'll have all these links in the show notes. So today I wanted to kick off this season by talking about one of my very favorite runes. Um, it is the Gifu rune. Um... So this is one of my favorite runes because it is in this rune where we start to crack open and get to the soft underbelly of heathenry. From the outside looking in, the Norse pantheon is particularly brutal. Vikings were uh, brutal conquerors who sacked cities whose reputation as violent barbarians preceded them. But the Vikings, the ones who went raiding, are only a certain time period and only a specific set of people who were a part of the Norse culture. There's this imagination of Viking Age, you know, Nordic people that kind of builds the aesthetic for a lot of heathens or a lot of people thinking about Norse paganism. And that's cool, but it's also just like such a small period of time. I think the Viking Age technically is only 300 years. I will correct myself in a future episode if I'm wrong about that. But that really puts it into perspective um, just how short this period of time was. Um, and even within that, there really was only a specific set of people who uh, went Viking. Um, the vast majority of heathens did not go Viking, but rather tended to their farms. Throughout the Eddas, there are reflections on ethics and morals, what is right and what is wrong. Yes, the world of the Norse was brutal, but there are stanzas and stanzas about proper behavior, about being conscious of others' needs, about the importance of social gestures. The Havamal, or sayings of the High One, is a lesson in wisdom, etiquette, and decency toward one another. On our journey so far, we have focused on communication, abundance, protection, all those things that work on a very personal level. Um, Gifu is one of the first runes that really talks about how to act in community. It is the rune of the gift. Reciprocity and mutual aid played an essential role in the Norse world. The Havamal is filled with stanzas about the proper etiquette of gift giving, a sign of just how essential gifting was to this culture. Gifu teaches us that we need to be generous with what we have, but that we also need to get our own needs met first. Gifu as a sort of rehabilitative rune. You are always supposed to treat strangers as if they were the gods, because they might just be Odin in disguise. The Eddas teach that wealth is not to be hoarded, rather it is meant to be shared. There were even certain laws in Norway and Sweden that the household was supposed to have hired all help for the winter by October 14th. That way, if someone was not attached to a household, they could be assigned to one to be kept from the cold. The community survived through mutual aid and reciprocity before capitalism took over. So that is a really interesting practice that we studied in the um, Primstav study group um, back in you know the uh, episode where I had Sarah Axtell on the podcast. We talked about this. Um, 
And it's basically just this idea that you want everyone in the community to have a place, a household, and a job before the winter hits. Um, And so there would be, you know, community um, decisions made about, like, who goes where. Um, And also that sort of intense hospitality of, you know, taking in strangers, Um, particularly in a harsh climate, this was really essential. Um, And it truly is only through mutual aid that um, the community was able to survive. But first, let's talk about the rune itself. In a reading, Gifu can refer to contracts, agreements, alliances, as well as gifts and endowments. It is a rune that is often used in magic for abundance with the idea that it will draw gifts to you. This is actually a bit of a capitalist rewriting of the rune itself, a modernization that doesn't sit well with the spirit of Gifu. The rune is actually about the reciprocity of gifts. It is a covenant, the understanding that if I received a gift, a gift, I will give it forward. In a way, Gifu acts as an oath. When you use this rune in your spellcraft, you are essentially saying that, yes, I am asking for something specific, but I plan to give back to the ancestors' gods' community. So this model of reciprocity is essential. And this is how I think um, Gifu and Manas, which is a rune we will talk about later in this series, uh, work together. Um, Gifu is, looks like an X. <laughs> it is two staves um, at, of equal length crossed. And um, Manas is a rune that basically looks like an M, but there are the two stops crossed in the middle. Um, so manas is the rune for community. And so it is only through Gifu that that rune comes together. So manas and Gifu kind of together act as a way of instructing us on how to act in community. Gifu therefore instructs us to use the gifts we are given for the greater good. This is how Gifu represents not just gift giving, but also social contracts. These are contracts that we make with one another for the better of the community. There is perhaps some sacrifice in the gift giving. It's the important thing to note about Gifu is that when we are truly in Gifu, these sacrifices are nothing more than you can afford to lose. So patriarchal norms of, you know, um, women being compensated unfairly in the workplace, that is not a Gifu practice. That is not social reciprocity. Um, That is not a truly reciprocal community. Um, So while Gifu can sometimes represent a voluntary sacrifice of wealth, resources, and time to whatever you hold sacred, it often represents asking when those things are denied to you, um, but they are given to others. So Gifu also, Gifu and Manas together can help us to understand contracts and negotiations, negotiating for what we really need. Because Gifu teaches us that we need to have our needs met first, and then we can give of ourselves. Um... Another important lesson of Gifu is learning to receive with grace. This is very often difficult for people, particularly when you have trauma around money or any baggage about money and your worth. Gifu asks you to soften, to recognize your inherent worth. 
when people give you something, it is a sign of love. They want you to have what you need. They want you to have your desire. The understanding in rune work is that when you have what you need, you will help to provide for the people around you. Both giving and receiving with grace are essential aspects of the queer experience. When family abandons us, we need to find networks of our own support. Gifu shows up in this way. It helps us and holds us as we build new structures. Learning how to ask for what we want can be difficult, especially if what we want, how we want, has been denied us for so long. Gifu is a balm, a healing rune that tells us our desires are valid. Gifu reminds us that we all have gifts to share. Heathenry has a huge emphasis on ancestor work, and I have been doing much more of this recently. We inherit the legacies of our ancestors, but our lives are also built around the choices we make. While we may start in an unequal position throughout our lives, we are in constant exchange of resources, trade, time, love, and community. A gift received demands a gift given. A gift is an oath to that person, a signal that, yes, you are on the right path. I respect you, and I also know that we are in this together as one society. In the Norse tradition, you do not get a gift without giving a gift. If you are not generous with the gifts you are given, whether they be mundane or divine, you are considered immoral. We all do better when we all do better, so give of your own resources freely. It is necessary when worshiping your ancestors or the Norse gods to leave them offerings. I've done this in many ways. It can be a shot glass of wine that I keep on my altar and refresh every day. It can be setting aside the bones from your meat. The gods and spirits will eat pieces of food that aren't edible in this realm. Sometimes, when a blood sacrifice is necessary, you can cut your hand and let it drip onto your altar onto any figures representing the gods. If you do not leave an altering, one may be taken from you. So one time I did a very large working. I thought that my offering of wine was enough. It wasn't. The magic I worked probably needed a blood offering. The next day I felt horribly ill and I was housebound for three days. The gods will take what is theirs if you haven't been generous enough in your offering. And this is also a sidebar why I, you know, recommend that students go cautiously into relationship with the gods. Don't start with a big ask. Um, You'll definitely want to create a reciprocal relationship with any gods or spirits that you work with. And that means, you know, just like having conversations with them, meditating with them once a week, you know, doing some of that relationship building stuff before you do a big ritual, because then you're kind of feeding them through your relationship with them. And that in itself is another gift. It is an offering. On an even more essential level, Gifu instructs us to create reciprocal relationships with the people in our communities. I know that sometimes gift giving can feel like a competition, There are certainly kindreds and other heathen communities that experience this sort of like tit-for-tat gift-giving, and in these cases, the gifting becomes toxic. That is not the kind of thing that this rune instructs. Norse society used gift-giving as a sign of respect. 
Before the Viking Age, wealth was not meant to be amassed. It was meant to be shared. Even in the family sagas, one of the markers of an enemy was someone who amassed gold for themselves, stealing from others and disrespecting their right to their own wealth and abundance. From the perspective of a leftist heathen, the wealthy 1% holding their treasures while members of the community suffer is immoral. If you have enough for yourself, you need to give to the community. And if you are living with poverty, you are encouraged to ask for assistance. That's part of why I want to bring forward this quote from the Anglo-Saxon rune poem. Giving to all people brings credit and honor, help and worthiness, and to every outcast is the estate and substance that have naught else. I'll repeat that because it's juicy. Giving to all people brings credit and honor, help and worthiness, and to every outcast is the estate and substance that have naught else. It is essential to ask for help from your community, from the ancestors, from your gods, and heathenry makes room for the asking specifically. There is a sense that what goes around comes around, that if you are in need of help now, you will be able to help others later. This is the true reciprocity. It's not tit for tat. It's not that you need to immediately give back to the person who gives you a gift. It is that you will remember them and you will um, gift them something beautiful or honor them in some other way later. Growing up in a farming community, you still see this to this day. So my parents live really rural, and they have whole networks of people who can help them with specific things. They have found people to help them with fixing things around the house. They've found auto mechanics, driveway repair. Um, You know, there's somebody in their community who raises sheep, so they were able to get sheep skins. Um, They've had help seeding the fields. The list goes on and on. So this kind of network um, still exists today, and it still exists not just in rural communities, but also in urban communities. One of the things that I have missed the most since the pandemic started is communal experiences like potlucks. So I was reading a book this morning, and there was a barn raising in the book. All of the people in the village got together to work on this project with people cooking in the kitchen to keep everyone fed. Now, I can't lie to you and say that I have participated in many agricultural group projects, but this sense of community coming together to work towards a shared goal is something that I miss in my bones. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately in particular because this is the autumn equinox week. Um, So a lot of uh, harvest fests are happening now and a lot of ancestor activity around kind of getting yourself and your community ready for winter. I know that my ancestors have been a little bit urgent about connecting with other people, um, about my need to connect with other people about these things. And (laughs) um we still kind of feel that, I think, as, you know, even in our modern era. So um, I think it's interesting 
that now we are at a time when we are living through a collective crisis and the best thing we can do for our communities is to stay home. The pandemic is still happening, y'all. It is still important that we distance, that we only meet in person outside. Social distancing and isolation is an act of community aid while at the same time it is keeping us separate from everyone else. It's a catch-22 and one that my brain and body still struggle with. However, understanding that this is a need um, and that our continued isolation and social distancing and getting the vaccine and all of this, seeing this as mutual aid, as giving gifts to one another, as keeping one another safe is kind of the only way to get through this. Of course, the last two years have also highlighted the need for increased networks for mutual aid. Several groups here in Minneapolis have come together around the growing demand for mutual aid, including a Twin Cities Mutual Aid Project, the South Minneapolis Mutual Aid Autonomous Zone, and many more. These networks are a beautiful example of solidarity and action, of the true spirit of creating reciprocal communities in order to create safe spaces. So here again, we are seeing Gifu acting alongside Manas, because gifting is so essential in our communities. Gifu is not just a gift, but an oath that will you that you will use what has been given for the greater good. Whew. So I hope that you are able to meditate on this, take some time away, um, and figure out what you can give back to your community. Um, I will be here next week with a very exciting interview and I am thrilled to be back in the podcaster's chair. Talk more soon. Bye-bye. And that is it for today's episode of the Heathen's Journey podcast. A huge thank you and shout out to all of my students and patrons for making this work available. If you want to become a patron and support the podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash northernlightswitch. I post full moon and new moon ritual guides, rune readings for each of the turning of the zodiac season, and so much more. If you would like to follow me in between episodes, you can find me on Instagram at northern.lights.witch or on Twitter at northlightwitch. Until next time, stay weird. Thank you.